0: Welcome to today's edition of the Rush 24-7 Podcast. Okay, before we start, I'm going to tell you that I know what you want from me today. I know exactly because that's why I'm who I am. I have empathy. I am able to meet and surpass all audience expectations every day. I know what you want from me. You want me to be able to make you able to rest assured that this Bolton thing is no big deal. Right? That's what you... And guess what? I'm going to do my best to do that because I think I can. That and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, just roiling. in fact, you know, this 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 uh, this virus from the Chycons. I, I, I seriously wondering with with all of this that's happening out there, this impeachment. Is this government doing enough? Is it focused enough to actually protect the country from the, the stock market? Is last I looked, right before the program began, it's. Uh, it's Every stock is down for the most part. It's the uh, market overall, DJI down 300 points. Um, and does I don't see where we've put any ban on Chinese passengers being uh, permitted into the country. It's a serious thing that could be brewing out there. And just a question that I'm asking. Anyway, it's great to have you here with us, folks. Telephone number if you want to be on the program, 800-282-2882 and the email address Rushbow at eibnet.us, right on schedule, Mitt Romney goes to the microphone. Hey, you know what? I saw this Bolton business, and I just want everybody to know that I am ready today to step in and be president. Well, that's what Romney's doing. I'll be able, I'll step in. Anybody wants me to be president, I'll go there today. Whatever it takes for me to get there, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. That's how you translate what Romney is saying about witnesses all right let's let's get into this uh, let's start with the Kobe Bryant story because it's a devastating it's a horrible story and just as an aside, uh, the media reporting on this has been absolutely horrible from just a fact standpoint and you can trace the problem of this back to Twitter. Twitter is a national sewer, and it's where everybody goes to try to be a journalist, to be the first to tell this or that. So many errors in the original reporting showing up on Twitter and then magically repeated by drive-by journalists. Uh, First reports had Kobe and his wife and their kids on board the helicopter. Uh, Just one mistake after another. And it just it doesn't it doesn't further any purpose uh, other than creating clicks on links, creating traffic retweets. And it's just it just captures the I think the entire problem. Look well, good Bolton, for example. Who's the source? What's the source for this? The New York Times. The New York Times got nothing right about collusion, the Russia collusion with Trump story. The New York Times has a track record As flimsy. They say, look at the timing of this. And that's where the Kobe story is a little bit relevant. In the drive-by media, understandable. A lot of people are torn up about the death of Kobe Bryant. And who can blame them? It's a shock. You're driving around. You're playing golf. Whatever you do, you hear the news, and it just brings you up short. You can't believe it. But you look everywhere in the drive-by media outside Washington, and that is the story. Understandably so. As an aside, when time has passed and a little bit of the emotion of this has waned, I just want to give you a little heads up and a prediction when people are going to finally get what happened. Why did it happen? How did it happen? Keep, keep your focus on the difference between IFR, instrument flight rules, and VFR, visual flight rules you will probably find the explanation for this accident somewhere within those two parameters. And I don't, look, I can tell you what I think about it, but I'm not going to make the mistake the drive-by media did. Until it's it's known, I'm not going to sit here and speculate about uh, what might have happened. Other than we know that the helicopter pilot uh, chose to fly VFR in fog and very low visibility, Instead of IFR, instrument flights. When you're flying IFR, you follow a flight plan and they track you. ATC tracks you. Your transponder is on. They can follow you. The Kobe helicopter got a message from ATC. You're too low. We can't follow you on radar. We, can't, we don't see your blip. So they never got sufficient altitude to get over the mountains uh, in the Calabasas area where they were going. So it's going to be IFR versus VFR. Very experienced pilots. Uh, gigantic mystery. But the point is... This story, as far as the majority of Americans are concerned, has totally overwhelmed this magically, mystically, perfectly timed leak on John Bolton's book. In an effort, notice the timing of this leak. This book has been in the vetting process for two to three weeks now. And by the way, you know who's vetting it at the National Security Council? You write a book like this, and you're part of the administration National Security Council apparatus. You have to submit this to the National Security Council for vetting before it can be sent to the publisher. They have to clear it. No national security secrets or violations are are being written about and being published. Alexander Vindman's brother, Yevgeny Vindman, is the guy vetting Bolton's book. And isn't it just magical that on the very day after the Trump defense team decimates the House manager's case, the very next day, here comes this leak from the New York Times about what Trump told Bolton supposedly that he didn't want to do. What remains amazing is... The leak supposedly is that Trump told Bolton that he didn't want to release any aid to Ukraine until Ukraine turned over material related to investigations. And that's that's from the Maggie Haberman tweet. New York Times scoop Bolton book draft circulated to associates and sent to White House a review process describes a conversation with the president where he says he doesn't want to release withheld aid till Ukraine t- doesn't want to. Well, you know, I don't want to go to the dentist, but I do it. And I'll tell everybody today I have to go to. Damn, I don't want to do it. If I've got a meeting after the program that I don't want to take, ask the people here. I'll whine and moan and God, I really don't want to do that. Oh, I wish I hadn't skipped, but I take the meeting. And I go to the dentist. So Trump supposedly tells Bolton that he doesn't want to release aid. But he did. The aid got released. It was more than Ukraine thought they were gonna get, and it included javelin missiles. It was it was and Trump got nothing for it. There was no investigation. So we've got Bolton here saying that Trump in the the supposed leak is. Bolton books as Trump told him that he didn't want to release aid. The leak cannot be that Trump didn't release aid because the aid was released. Ukraine got it. And this case has always been the Democrats making this case have always tried to make criminal what they claim were Trump's desires or Trump's thoughts or what he really intended or hoped to do. And they have ignored the fact that all of these supposed criminal thoughts that Trump had never prevailed. Ukraine got their aid. It's also understandable that Trump... You know, Ted Cruz had a uh, he's got a podcast. Everybody's got a podcast. If you can't get a radio show, you got a podcast. And Ted Cruz got a podcast out there. He says, "You know what? I think these house managers, you know, ought to stop focusing on a simple acquittal. And they need to make tracks, and they need to go at this on the offense. And one of the things that the house that the Trump defense team needs to do, is make it plain, establish that it is perfectly legal for a president of the United States to investigate corruption in a foreign country that involves American citizens. And I agree with Cruz. I think this is one of the things I hope the Trump legal team makes this point. Because There's nothing criminal about wanting a corruption-free government with whom we're doing business in an ally. And there's nothing criminal about wanting to find out if American government officials have been engaging in corruption in a particular foreign government that is an ally. So, I I, I think what we have here now, and I know a lot of people say, Rush Romney hasn't spoken up and denied this yet. No, I' mean, I'm not Romney, but Bol- Bolton hasn't spoken up and uh, and, and denied this uh, yet. No, he he hasn't. Bolton is um, interesting figure. remains to be seen if all this is true. But again, the point is that even this scoop, this gigantic leak, talks about what Trump said he wanted to do, and it's overridden by the fact. That he didn't do. He didn't withhold the aid. He didn't get the investigation. And so how in the world can there be anything criminal in what somebody wants to do versus what they end up doing? Particularly if there's no illegality involved, if there's no criminality, and if there isn't an impeachable offense. So let's go through some of the, the timeline here. We have the very sad and unfortunate Kobe Bryant death and crash. And the drive-by media is distraught for a number of reasons, among them that the news coverage of that crash totally overwhelms what they thought would be a 24-7 laser-like focus on the Bolton leak. What they're missing is the American people don't care about this. Did you see David Axelrod? One of the guys that got Obama elected, he's got a PAC, he's got a political action committee, some sort of organization in Chicago, and they had a focus group over the weekend. Got some Democrats from Cook County in there and started doing a focus group, and they purposely didn't bring up impeachment. They waited to see how long Democrats in an Axelrod focus group would take to bring it up. 80 minutes. An hour and 20 minutes before Cook County Democrats even bothered to bring up impeachment. It's not on anybody's mind. And I'll tell you something else that's not on anybody's mind is John Bolton. Most people don't know who he is, especially with all the coverage of the Kobe Bryant helicopter crash. But even before that, when Bolton's name was in the meet, they hated him. They despised Bolton. I'm going to be reminding you with exact details as the program unfolds. We made this point last September on this program, and of course it ended up being highlighted at RushLimbaugh.com. They hated Bolton's mustache, folks. They hated Bolton because they thought he mistreated women. He was a bully in the workplace. Whenever any Republican wanted John Bolton in the ambassadorial service or anywhere in the national security apparatus, the Democrat party went literally bat crazy because they hated the guy. And they hated the guy because he was a hawk. They hated the guy because he was aligned with the neocons. The neocons always wanting the US extended militarily in outposts all over the world, predominantly the Middle East. And Bolton was one of these guys that was in favor of it. And of course, he didn't get that kind of foreign policy with Trump. Trump is trying to extricate the United States from affairs and military entanglements like this, and Bolton left in a huff and he in was ticked off about things. And I, I have to also say this: I've, I've, I've had dinner with John Bolton a couple times. I've met him two or three times, and if this passage in the book is true, and this is actually what he's intending, it's not the John Bolton I thought I knew, I I did. I, this this kind of disloyalty. And, and you, you may say, well, Royce is not disloyal, he's simply telling the truth the president didn't want to give him. Yeah, but it is disloyal. But again, folks, I have to, I have to backtrack here. Doesn't this seem strangely like the Kavanaugh hearings were on the verge of Kavanaugh getting confirmed and all of a sudden here comes Christine Balsey Ford and her story and that begets Michael Avenatti and his story and in a whole bunch of stuff that delays the confirmation prolongs the hearings and demand for more FBI investigations and lo and behold here we are the house managers have blown it nobody's watching not a single Republicans on the verge of voting for witnesses and BAMO we get a leak to the New York Times from the manuscript of Bolton's book, and it looks like Vindman's brother. Oh, say Can you see? Brother Yevgeny is in the vetting uh, apparatus, the vetting procedure. And all of a sudden, now, oh my God, oh my God, we need to call Bolton. We gotta call Bolton. Look at what look, look 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 what this Time story said. Bolton hasn't said it. It's supposedly in the book. We're relying on the New York Times for accuracy when they have no claim to that anymore. Two years, minimum, lying day after day after day about Trump-Russia collusion. And by the way, those lies have continued on every other adjunct. We've had the New York Times going all in on every Democrat allegation. If Bolton was such... Gold. Why didn't Schiff call him? Why didn't they do their due diligence? Why didn't they take their time and call Bolton? Well, we know why. Because there would be an executive privilege fight and it would delay it in the courts. And they had to get this done for the purposes of the 2020 campaign. It looks to me like we almost have a replay, an exact rehash of the Kavanaugh situation when he was on the verge of being confirmed. Here we are at this trial trial. After the first day of the president's team just destroying the Democrat House manager's whole case. They did it in two hours on Saturday. And then the next day we've got this when all the Democrats have been caterwauling about it. We need witnesses. The Senate needs to open it up to witnesses and so forth. And now all of a sudden at the very last moment... We are getting a recycling of a previous Democrat quasi-October surprise type operation. Look, I take a break. at eleven the clock. But hang on, folks. Just getting warmed up at the EIB Network. Hi, welcome back. El Rushbo on the cutting edge of societal evolution. What that means is if you're here every day, you'll be way ahead of the game. You'll know what's important before it becomes important. And you'll know what to think about it when it becomes important. Now, Sean Davis... Uh, And there's a bunch of these guys I follow, and I I sometimes get confused where they were. I think Sean Davis works at the Federalist. But it might be American Greatness, or it might be Breitbart, or it might be the Daily Call. I don't know. I, I think it's the Federalist. And his tweet is this. John Bolton is running the exact same revenge playbook against Trump that James Comey used. He's even using the same agent. And leaking it to the same reporters, Maggie Haberman at the New York Times, all because he's mad that Trump fired him for leaking and trying to start new wars. And as Sean Davis says here, it's so boring and so predictable. Bolton's attorney, Charles Cooper, said it's clear, regrettably, from the New York Times article published on Sunday that the pre-publication review process has been corrupted and that information has been disclosed by persons other than those properly involved. (laughs) Big (laughs) reveal there, buddy. The process, you mean journalism has been corrupted? Who knew? When did this happen, Mr. Cooper? But it is. It's the same revenge playbook. Same thing Comey did. It's the same thing they tried to Clarence Thomas. It's the same thing they did with, uh, with Kavanaugh. And remember, it's all about what Trump said he wanted to do. Because they can't say that Trump withheld the aid. They can't say that Ukraine didn't get what they would say. It's absurd. All of it is. Hi. Welcome back. Great to have you. Rush Limbaugh behind the golden EIB microphone. Brand new week. Broadcast excellent. Great to have you here, as always. You remember the book by Omarosa. Manigault Stalworth. Remember that bombshell book, how that was going to bring down the Trump administration? Remember that book? And then whatever happened, remember the New York Times or Washington Post, I forget which, op-ed from Anonymous that basically said, look, there's some adults in here. And we're doing everything we can to make sure this guy Trump doesn't go off and ruin things. Count on us. We can't tell you who we are. Well, then this person writes a book. And it was going to be a bombshell. It was going to bring down the Trump administration. What happened to that book? And Andrew McCabe, Andrew McCabe of a bombshell book, was going to take down Trump. And then James Comey, James Comey in his book about honor and integrity and how he's the only guy in Washington that has it. And that book was going to take down Trump. And then Avenatti, Avenatti and Stormy Daniels, and everything was going to take down Trump. And then Avenatti was going to be the Democrat primary nominee. For president, does, now he's in court, charges of defrauding clients and Nike. Not to mention books by Bob Woodward, Lawrence Tribe. There have been how many anti-Trump books that have been bombshells that were going to destroy Trump? Now, I want to go back to Friday. Trump, the first sitting president to appear at the March for Life rally. And there's a point to be made about this as it relates to the impeachment trial and the ongoing shenanigans. The Democrats are constantly on offense here and attempting to get the Republicans to slit their own throats. You've got to call witnesses. You can't do this without calling witnesses. You must in the Senate. You must do your own investigation. Meanwhile, the House, as you know, didn't call any of the witnesses. They're now demanding. And the Republicans had held firm. And over the weekend, it didn't look. I mean, you ought to see the drive-by media stories out there before this Bolton leak happened. There's a piece from Mike Allen at Axios. You've got people on F. Chuck Todd's show and Meet the Press lamenting nobody cares. It's so horrible. The health, the Senate gallery is only half full. We can't find anybody in America who cares about. It. Oh my God! They're go- devoting every ounce of energy they got. They can't get anybody to care about it. The Senate gallery only being half full during the House Manager's presentation. I mean, what more do you need to know about how uncompelling the Democrats' whole case and their allegations are? And yet, despite the president's team holding all the cards because the House manager's case is one lie after another, and it was decimated in two hours on Saturday morning by Trump's team. So the Republicans, Ted Cruz is right, they need to go on offense and just whenever these Democrats start whining and moaning about witnesses or this or that, just tell them to go pound sand. Now, what does this have to do with the March for Life rally? Well, I'll tell you what it has to do with it. Donald Trump's the first sitting president to ever attend one. A lot of presidents appeared by video. They appeared on a video screen. A lot of presidents sent videos, but no sitting Republican, certainly Democrat, ever actually attended it. Trump did on Friday. What happened to him? Not a thing. In fact, his stature rose and he cemented that voting block even more firmly than it was already with him but the but the point is the bottom didn't fall out a republican president actively participated in a pro life rally which had never been done before the biggest one in washington of the year now Normally, Republicans think doing that kind of thing is going to kill them politically. It's going to destroy them. Oh, my God, it's provocative. It's unnecessary. All Trump did was benefit. But there's something else Trump did. And he's been doing this his entire presidency. He has been teaching and showing and demonstrating to Republicans. You don't have to be afraid of the media anymore. You don't have to be afraid of the Democrats. And certainly you don't have to be afraid of Adam Schiff. And you don't have to be afraid of Chuck Schumer or Harry Reid or any of the others. You don't have to be afraid of them. You don't have to be defensive. You don't have to say and do things to make half the country think you're not the bad people the Democrats say you are. Which is what the Republican modus operandi has always been. This whole business of calling witnesses, all these weak Republicans who think they want to call witnesses... It's in response to Democrat demands. It's not because they actually think it's necessary. It's not because they actually want to. They think they've got to do it because the media is demanding it and because the Democrats are demanding it. And if they don't follow through, they're worried that the American people are going to see them as a bunch of, you know, racist, sexist, bigot, homophobe, whatever the clichés are. Trump is demonstrating that you don't have to give them the time of day, particularly... When you hold the cards, the Democrats cannot get a, a, a conviction of Trump here. And the purpose for witnesses is not to get a conviction. It's to, it's, it's to sully and dirty the Republican Party at large and President Trump in particular. There is no reason to count out of this. And even if the Bolton thing comes out, there's no reason to waver. There's no, oh my God, I guess we do need witnesses. No, you don't. You do not need to change from your instinct. You don't need witnesses. They don't have a case. And the Bolton leak can't even be confirmed. It is a tweet from a New York Times reporter. And the New York Times in this area is widely more known for making it up and lying through their teeth about things. Throughout this entire Trump presidency, when it's come to any story that has to do with maybe getting rid of Trump or overturning the election results, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the mainstream media, and there's no embarrassment. These people have been wrong on every assertion. They published lies under the guise of leaks from intelligence community people. Former government officials, former Defense Department officials have run the gamut. And not a single one of them was true. The Steele dossier, which was responsible for all of that, none of it was true. Trump has not committed a crime. He hasn't even committed a thought crime because there's no such thing as a thought crime. But they're trying to impeach him on the basis of that. I was watching Schumer today at his regularly scheduled 11 o'clock in the morning press conference, and he, he said uh, that, that, here it is, that there had been uncovered a plot to remove the ambassador. That would be Marie Yamanovich. A plot. A plot to remove the ambassador. This is Chuck Schumer saying that Trump has beca- behaved additionally in a criminal way because we've uncovered a plot To remove the ambassador, Uh, this is Trump telling some associates: "Just get rid of her. She's in there undermining my foreign. Get rid of her. I don't want her in it. He can fire any ambassador he wants, and it isn't a plot. It isn't a crime. It isn't an impeachable offense. The president, whoever he is, runs American foreign policy. If he doesn't like an ambassador, who do you think appoints the ambassadors? She's a holdover from the Obama years." I think Trump is going out of his way trying to be gracious here, not firing, in summary, a bunch of political appointees like Obama did. Obama fired every U.S. attorney when he took office. George W. Bush didn't. He waited a couple of years, then all hell descended on him when it happened. But there's no plot to remove the ambassador, trying to make it look like there's some sinister criminal behavior in firing an ambassador, but that is an indication of how all of this is being treated. The bottom line is, you can't find a more partisan, uh, apparently, supposedly partisan and volatile issue than abortion, right? Abortion, no, Rush, not supposed to bring it. Don't talk about it, Rush. Don't talk about religion. But Don't talk about it. Nothing to be gained, Rush. Trump, the first sitting president to attend a pro life rally. His approval numbers are at an all time high. Not only after that, but in the midst of this impeachment fiasco, the U.S. economy continues to roil, and the American people know it and give it five star ratings, record consumer sentiment, record consumer confidence. This is the stuff the Democrats are scared to death of and angry about. That's why they keep trying to talk about a recession looming down the road. The bottom line is you do not die politically when you take on the Democrats. The bottom line is you do not die politically when you take on the media. And Donald Trump has demonstrated this for three years. Now, there are going to be a lot of Republicans and maybe even some of you. Who would disagree? You might say, well, Rush, Trump hasn't died, but look at what they say about him. My God, he can't be treated fairly. It's got to be a hellacious existence. They lie about him all the time. Yeah, and there's nothing he can do to stop it. This has been my point since I've been doing this program. There's nothing you can do to change what they are going to say about us. And you certainly can't do it by convincing them that we are not what they think we are because they know that we are not what they think they well." I take it back. Catherine and I watched Bombshell over the week. Don't, folks, whatever you do, don't. If I say this, it's just going to get people intrigued and want to watch it. It is an absolute. It barely rises to high school level quality production. The only reason to watch that stupid ass movie is to find out. Every cliché they think about you and me. By the way, in this movie, everybody who works at Fox News hates it. Everybody that works, everybody has to hide who they are. You know, there's a lot of lesbians at Fox News, you know that. But they have to hide it. They can't put pictures of their of their partners on their desktops because otherwise management might see it and fire them. But everybody hates Fox News. My point is this. You do not die politically when you take on the Democrats and the media. And Trump has shown it. He is triumphing. Yeah, they hate him. This is exactly why, yeah, they say mean things about him. And I'm sure Mitt Romney doesn't want mean things said about him as he's making himself available to be temporary president every day. Hi, I'm Mitt Romney. I think we got to call witnesses. By the way, you want me to be president? I'd be happy to do it. Just put me in there right now. I'll do it. Whatever you want. That's what Romney's gaming for. It's time to stand up to this. I don't care Bolton leak, Bolton book, whoever. Tell them no witnesses. We're going to present the rest of our case. We're going to make our case. We're going to decimate their case. And we're going to get out of here. Because all of this is a bogus waste of time. And again, I ask, is our government doing anything about this virus? That has come from the communist haven of China? Does it appear so? At any rate, let me take a brief break, and we'll come back. And, uh, yeah, well, let's get started on the phones, because if I don't do it now, who knows when that might happen. Ha, welcome back. Great to have you, Rushland boy. executing assigned and unassigned. Host duties, flawless. I mean, there's some things I do each day that I do not tell myself to do. They just happen uh, due to superior instinct. Now, by the way, I want to make one point here. The New York Times is admitting, it says here they're saying, but they're not. They're admitting. The New York Times is admitting they have not seen the Bolton transcript. And yet they run a story based on what it says. They've not seen the Bolton book. They've just been told about it by anonymous sources. What if it's an abject lie? What if whoever is doing this is knowingly lying, knowing they're going to get two or three days out of it, and maybe even a vote on witnesses, and then at some point when the book comes out in March, it's going to be learned or discovered that it's not true? Big deal. That's also the history Trump colluded with Russia. He's a traitor. He stole the election. Two years later, up, ah, no evidence, can't find it. Now we move on to something else that Trump's a phone call with the Ukraine president. It's the same pattern. It's like every leak for two years, Trump-Russia collusion. And every story had a line buried in the story As of now, there is no evidence substantiating this claim, but, 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 blah, blah, blah. So the New York Times admits they have not seen the actual Bolton manuscript. They've They've just been told about it by anonymous sources. We know that Vindman's brother is in the vetting process. He's on the staff of the NSC that vets books like this. See, this way, if their story turns out to be completely false, if it's a total lie, they can say, wasn't us, wasn't us. That's what we were told. And that's how they've been getting out of every lie for the past three years. Well, our sources told us. Let me go to the phones. This is uh, Wanta on Long Island. Uh, Ileana, great to have you on the program. Hello.
1: Hello, Rush. Um, Everything that you just said while I was waiting to speak to you and I was listening to what you were saying was 100% correct. And I called because I'm just so frustrated and so fed up. This is, this is so predictable. Every time the Democrats realize that, that they're losing, we get these uh, bombshells. You know, it happens to be the New York Times this time. But uh, what I don't understand is why there is an assumption that because John Bolton writes a book or testifies at, at the hearing that there is any truth or substance to his words. It is his word against the president's, And I believe President Trump. Well, and I well,
0: believe the only witness, which is the transcript, it doesn't matter. They hate Bolton. They've despised Bolton, but Trump is a bigger enemy. So here it's it's not a, it's not about who believes who. It's that they hate Trump, and somebody's come along, and we don't even know if if how this all happened. It's it's look, this isn't journalism. This is Democrat Party activism. Uh, and you're right. I even if you go back, you can find the transcript of this program on Friday. I told you, folks, this is going to end someday. What's next? What? Because we got 10 months between now and the election. This isn't the end of Democrat tricks, surprises, what have you. So what's going to be next? Well, lo and behold, here we are after the Trump's lawyers make their case on Saturday and destroy Schiff and his managers Guess what we have here. We'll take a break. Thank you for the call, Iliana. Be right back, folks. Hang in, be tough. Anyway, President Trump has tweeted, he's also said verbally that he never told John Bolton that he aided the Ukraine was tied to investigations into Democrats. Never told Bolton this. Uh, the New York Times story is that uh, Trump told Bolton he wanted to. Anyway, back in a sec. The views expressed by the host on this program have captivated the nation for over 30 years. The views expressed by the host on this program are documented to be almost always right, 99.8% of the time. Great to have you here, folks, as is always the case. And if you want to appear, the telephone number is 800-282-2882. The email address, lrushbow at us. All right, so now the second day of the Trump legal team presenting their case, which probably gonna be a combination of refuting Schiff and the Democrat House managers and Trump's asserting his case. They really, you know, I'm going to characterize it beforehand. I, I, I hope... That it's yeah I don't mind you know going down the list and refuting the baseless, just crock-filled allegations that Democrats have made, but there does need to be some offense uh, asserted here. They did a great job on Saturday of just conveying to anybody paying any attention that Adam Schiff is a serial, serious, pathologically really messed up guy and liar. So just just a review before moving on to some other things here. Bottom line is that this leak, which the New York Times admits they have not seen. They've not seen the manuscript. They've not seen the book. They've just been told about it by anonymous sources. Same anonymous sources who assured the New York Times that Trump had colluded with Russia. That Trump was a Russian agent. Same type of sources. These sources are CIA and other Obama holdovers still in the Trump administration. But they've made it plain they have not seen the manuscript. Now, some people have said, why doesn't Bolton just come out and say yeah or no? He can't. Yet the vetting process is not over. He would be in violation of all kinds of security regulations. He can't comment until they have vetted the book and okayed it for publication, at least as I understand it. And that makes... Some sense to me. But if the New York Times hasn't seen it, they're just reporting what anonymous sources are telling them. That way, when the truth comes out, they, hey, wasn't us. Uh, our sources misled us. The Washington Post and New York Times do this all the time. The Washington Post did it with the whistleblower complaint. They said they never saw the complaint, the whistleblower. Where is the whistleblower, by the way? The whistleblower, the guy who got all this started, Schiff said, he's got to testify, he's got to testify. And Schiff said, no, it doesn't require his testimony now. This hearing doesn't require his testimony. And that's because the whistleblower implicates Schiff. Because Schiff was instrumental in orchestrating the whistleblower and the actions that he took. It, it, I, could, I could spend the rest of the program probably giving you examples of how Washington Post, New York Times do this all the time. And by the way, Alexander Vindman, oh, who say can use? He was behind the whistleblower story, which the whistleblower leaked to the Washington Post. It was Vendman who was on the phone call who then reported to the whistleblower who then, second-hand, went to Schiff. Illegally, he should have gone to the inspector general, but he didn't. Inspector general then changed the regulations to allow second-hand whistleblower testimony or second-hand knowledge to be qualified. I mean, it's... And so all of these players, Vindman's brother, his twin brother, Yevgeny, is in the vetting process for Bolton's book. The original Washington Post leak on the whistleblower's complaint turned out to be a pack of lies. And among those pack of lies was that the transcript of the phone call was shocking, shocking. It was frightening. It was scary, the whistleblower said. It was unreal. Oh, my God, we had to do something. It was so bad. And then there's nothing in it. Trump releases the transcript. None of that was the case. And the Washington Post said, don't blame us. That's what we were told. Their lies got enough attention to kick off this entire impeachment process. The whistleblower's lies. Or why we are here. And the Washington Post published this pack of lies and then got out of it by saying, well, it's what we were told. We didn't actually see it. I hope the Trump defense plays all the clips of the Democrats saying that we don't need Witnesses. That the impeachment is a coup from the Clinton days, as well as the drive-by saying it. Play it several times over the next two days. Even, even, though, even though we say hypocrisy doesn't stick to Democrats, it still would be good to get it out there. Anyway, here's I, I, I think the Bolton leak that, again, the New York Times has not seen. Was orchestrated to do two things to distract from the Republicans just creaming the Democrats' case on Saturday, and it was a hail Mary pass to try to get the Senate to vote to call witnesses. And it was not the first. You know what the first effort they made to get the Senate to call witnesses? The Lev Parnas video. Lev Parnas, they had Lev Parnas' video of Trump saying he wanted to fire Yavanovich. That's what Schumer was saying. They uncovered a plot. Uncovered a plot to fire the ambassador. The Lev Parnas video. That was supposed to be so heinous that it was going to make the Republicans immediately vote to call witnesses. But it flopped. It went nowhere because guess what? You don't need to plot to fire the ambassador. You just call her up and say, you're out. Trump doesn't need to orchestrate a plot. He appoints ambassadors. He fires ambassadors. Any president does. But somehow, somehow, Lev Parnas on video, with Trump on video, saying that they wanted to get rid of the ambassador. Sack her. Get rid of her. Somehow this is impeachable. Somehow this is sinister. Somehow this is a crime. It flopped. And so... Here we are. Now, it's fascinating to read news media accounts before the Bolton leak. And as your host, that's exactly what I did over the weekend. And I'm here to tell you the Senate, and it was widely known as conventional wisdom, the Senate was on the brink of voting not to call any witnesses. In fact... Mike Allen of Axios, formerly of Politico, formerly of The Washington Post, formerly of the drive-by media, Mike Allen reported yesterday that Trump is on, quote, a glide path to swift acquittal at his Senate impeachment trial, despite a blizzard of evidence bolstering Democrats' accusations. There isn't a shred of evidence that bolsters any accusation. That's the rub. That's the thing. But anyway... Before the Bolton leak, the drive-bys were ringing there. Oh my God, the, the Senate is going to vote no win. Oh my God, it's horrible. And, and, and F. Chuck Todd all over meet the press and have his guests on, and they were all concerned that nobody cares. There nobody. In fact, I've got the audio soundbite of this. Let me see. I can find it real quick. I think I've got this. Yeah, grab soundbite number 14. Chuck Todd, Meet the the Depressed, and he's got uh, Cook Political Report, National Editor Amy Walter on. And they're talking about voter reaction to all of this. Maureen Dowd had a fascinating little nugget in her column today. I want to put it up here. One Democratic Senate staffer mourned the apathy. Our phones aren't
2: ringing, he told me. Nobody cares. It's the saddest thing ever. The fact that you don't
0: have... Even yep. Democrats storming yep. the Capitol of protesting. It's not there. I was in Iowa. No one talked about this. They're wringing their hands. Are there aren't any protesters in Washington. The Senate gallery's half empty. Nobody's oh a guy. Nobody cares. <laughs> Isn't it fascinating? So before the Bolton leak, nobody cares. The Senate Republicans on the verge of voting. No witnesses. Drive-by media at an impasse. They're depressed. They're despondent. They're near-suicidal politically suicidal. And you just heard this. Nobody cares the saddest thing ever. Where are the protests? Storming the Capitol. Protesting. It's not there. Which is a good point. Here we have. As far as many schlubs are concerned, the closest yet the Democrats have been to getting rid of Trump. It's a freaking impeachment trial. And where are the vagina-hat-clad women and the feminazis? And where are the rest of the paid protesters, the rent a Where are they? They're not storming Washington. They're not even showing up to try to get in to watch this. David Axelrod admits, he's on CNN talking to Aaron Burnett, and he's all concerned he did a focus group out there. And a bunch of Democrats in Cook County didn't even bring it up for an hour and 20 minutes. I'm looking for the soundbite here. I know I saw this in here somewhere. See, anybody tell me what number Axelrod is? Maybe I don't have it. I thought I did, but we don't have it. Okay. But he was out there on CNN, he said, an hour and 20 minutes. It's the same thing you just heard out of Chuck Todd. Oh, whoa, it's us. Nobody cares. We can't find it. Nobody's interested. There's no protest. So the bottom line here is that before the Bolton leak, it was utter depression. It was, oh, my God, all is lost. And now the Bolton leak, New York Times... Manuscript that they haven't seen. Sent it on the brink of voting not to call witnesses. Mike Allen saying Trump's on the way to a swift acquittal. And lo and behold, the New York Times produces a quote-unquote leak of the Bolton manuscript. And even if everything that Bolton says is, even if the, everything the Times uh, claims that Bolton says is true... There's not a single thing impeachable about it. Because the leak is that Bolton says Trump told him he wanted to do X, Y, Z, whatever. He wanted to condition the aid on the investigation of Democrats. That's what Bolton says. Yeah, Trump told me he didn't want to get the aid to Ukraine until they investigate. Well, big deal. Like I said, I tell people all the time, I don't want to go to the dentist tomorrow. I got this stupid appointment. I don't want to go. But I... I went. Or I don't want to do this meeting, or I don't want to do this or that. We all do this. Everybody complains. Everybody speculates. You know what I'd really like to I would love to tell these guys they're not getting their money until they give me the goods on Biden. But, what happened? Ukraine got their money. There was no investigation. Ukraine got everything they wanted and more. This is all so really dangerous. They're trying to convict Trump here on thought crimes, but I'm telling you, folks, it was fascinating to watch the media, consult the media, read the media before the Bolton leak. And they were on the verge of utter despair. And now look at them. And it's the same pattern, same thing Comey tried. It's the same thing they tried with Kavanaugh, with Clarence Thomas, on and on and on. Quick time out. We'll be back. We will continue with much more after this. On the cutting edge of societal evolution, Rush Limbaugh, executing everything I'm supposed to do flawlessly. Things I tell myself and assign myself and things that I don't. Whatever I do, it just works. Now, before we get back to the phone, just two things. One, I want to go back to me, RushLimbaugh.com, and this program, September 10th, 2019, when John Bolton was let go as national security advisor. And I want to read you just a few little excerpts here from what I said then. Okay, so Trump says he's fired Bolton. Now Bolton says, no, 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 he didn't fire me, I resigned. Well, we'll have to wait and see. But I'm just going to tell you what's going to happen now, folks. Remember, this is last September you got to trust me on this. At drive-by media, the Democrat Party has hated John Bolton for his entire career in the foreign service. He's been a U.N. ambassador. He's been accused of being rude to employees. He's been accused of being unfeeling and insensitive toward women. He's been accused of being no-nonsense. He's been accused of being a horrible diplomat that he tells people straight out right between the eyes. The drive-by media has never had any respect for Bolton. They've never liked Bolton. He's always been an extension of whatever Republican president they hated. But now you watch. It won't be long and John Bolton's going to become the smartest foreign policy strategist in our country. He's become the wisest foreign policy advisor Trump has ever had. The drive-by media, despite a lifetime of disrespect and hatred for Bolton, they're going to start wringing their hands and lamenting that he was the last adult in the room, and that now we're all in peril because John Bolton is gone. Bolton was the only guy saving us from the insanity of Donald Trump, the only guy saving us from our enemies beating us. This is how they're going to portray him. And back on September 10th, I said, I predict he's already getting book offers. He's already getting interview offers. The left is going to offer him whatever they can to get him to speak out against Trump. They can't help themselves. He's going to become the new Russian collusion story. John Bolton is going to become the next Robert Mueller. Mark my words. I have it right here, my formerly nicotine stained fingers. I printed this out from my own website. Predicted all this now. Granted, that's not a tough prediction because the drive-bys are the drive-bys. But what is it? What does this prediction need to be true? It needs Bolton to turn on Trump. And I'm going to tell you, I've, like I said the first hour, I've, I've, I've been to. Uh, dinner a couple times with Bolton and his wife, met him here and there. I never thought that he was disloyal in this way. Now, some of you might, it's not disloyal, right? You mean loyal to America? Trump's horrible. Trump's rotten. Trump's I Some of you think this, but I know not very many. But I guess everybody in Washington is the end of the day out for themselves and that's one of the problems all right let me sneak another call in we'll go to Mesa Arizona sherry great to have you glad you waited hello
1: hi rush thanks hey so just to bolster bolster your uh, your your thought that uh, they're trying to impeach Trump on thought thought crimes or whatever whatever is ever in his head he also during the Russian investigation wanted to fire the special prosecutor but he didn't so it was the same the same thing. I mean, you know, everything he
0: wants... You know, that's exactly right. And, and, the, and the Mueller report tried as hard as it could to make that appear to be abuse of power. That it appeared to be obstruction. He wanted to fire Mueller. And therefore, we might be able to say that Trump wanted to obstruct. But the point is, Mueller didn't get fired. And the investigation wasn't obstructed. Nothing prevented it from being concluded. But you're exactly right. It's the same thing. That's a, that's a, that's a great great call. It's, it almost is identically the same thing as this stupid leak involving Bolton saying that Trump told him that he wanted to, but he didn't do it. And Ukraine got the money. We're going blue in the face, reminding everybody of this. Anyway, Sherry, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, thanks. Is there anything else you wanted to add? We still have 30 seconds here I, I left for your allotted me caller me? time.
1: I want to vent on something real quick I live in Arizona I have Martha McSally is our senator now and she's up for re-election it just frustrates me that everybody assumes that these people because they are in a tough election they have to be wishy-washy why can't it be that because 90 to 95 percent of the Republicans support Trump it's because they're not strong enough for Trump why is it always it's because they're not you know wishy-washy enough and that's are, you about, wait, are, you voters, are you
0: talking about wait are you talking voters you're talking about McSally yeah
1: I'm talking about like the, the, the Republican senators that are that, that they're saying are up for re-election, and they have a tough because they you know they, they might both. Oh, oh, oh!
0: oh. Well, be, 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 well, experience. Uh, Republican voters have experience with Republican elected officials kind of caving now and then. And we're back, and let me jump off uh, uh, one other point our previous caller from Arizona made about. Republicans being presumed to be wishy-washy. Why is it in this whole process we only hear about four Republican senators? Four Republican senators are at grave risk if they go too far in supporting Donald Trump. Four senators, Cory Gardner is one, and we get Martha McSally as mentioned as another. And they're very worried. Oh, yeah, these Republicans are very, very worried. They might call for witnesses. They might vote to convict. They might because Trump is so hated in these states. Well, how come we have stopped hearing about the 32 Democrats in the House? who uh, won election in 2018 in the midterms, who are from Trump districts. There are many, many, many more potentially vulnerable Democrats out there as a result of all this than there are Republican senators. We don't hear about any of the at-risk or vulnerable Democrats. It's only Republicans. Only In states that Trump carried... Yeah, my friends, it's only Republicans that are at risk here based on what happens. When the truth is, the Democrats may be blowing themselves up for a generation in all of this. By the way, we now have Axelrod, grab audio soundbite number 25. He was on CNN Friday night. Again, this would qualify as Democrat mindset before this magically timed leak, supposedly from the John Bolton transcript. I was in a focus group this morning for the Institute of Politics here at the University of Chicago with some Chicago Democratic voters, and it was chilling to hear them talk about this because impeachment didn't even come up. No one volunteered it for 80 minutes into the focus group, and we're right in the middle of the trial. When it came up, they said... You know, it's terrible what he did, the case has been proven, but we know how it's going to turn
3: out. So we're not really that interested. We're ready to move on.
0: We know how it's going to turn out. That means they know that Trump is going to be acquitted. That means they know that there's no way 20-some-odd Republicans, unless they can clone Romney, uh, are going to vote to convict Trump. So they don't care. And they did this on purpose. They didn't bring impeachment up, Axelrod and his gang, and it took an hour and 20 minutes before it came up. And the purpose of the focus group, find out what's on the minds of Democrats so that the Democrat candidates for president get clued in what they better be talking about. And it isn't impeachment. Now... I got an email during the break. Are you accusing Bolton of rapping on Trump? Are you accusing Bolton of being a snitch? No, not yet, because I haven't seen. All we've got to go on is what the New York Times claims an anonymous source told them about Bolton's manuscript. Uh, I know, I know, I know. Bolton has said he'd be open to testify. I know he said it's given the indication that he wants to dump on Trump. If that's true, if Bolton does want to snitch, if he wants to rat on Trump, why do you think it is? You th- okay? You think it's because he's ticked off at the way he got fired? Hundred percent ego. I think, well, perhaps, but I don't think it has to do with being fired. I think it probably has to do that Trump didn't follow his advice. What is Bolton known for? Bolton's known for wanting to deploy the military here, there. It's basically a neocon agenda. And Trump doesn't want to do that. It was... When Trump hired him and brought him in, there were a lot of people applauding it. Hey, this is really good. Bolton was considered to be very solid. But there were others who said, it doesn't make sense because Bolton does not share the Trump agenda. And then people said, well, Bolton, if anybody can change Trump's mind on this, it would be Bolton. Well, maybe Bolton failed to change his mind and maybe Bolton's ticked off that Trump didn't follow his advice. You know who else is mad that Trump didn't follow his advice? Lieutenant Colonel Vindman. Oh, ho, see. Well, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman said in his testimony before Schiff skiff that he was in charge of Ukraine foreign policy and that he prepared the talking points for Trump's phone call and that Trump didn't use them. Trump didn't follow the talking. And Schiff tried to say that that's impeachable. Schiff said last week, Trump not using the talking points is proof positive that Trump was doing his own personal foreign policy, as though somebody from the NSC and the ambassadorial service comes in, prepares talking points for a phone call, and that's what the president has to do? The president's not in charge of what he's going to say to somebody? The president's not in charge of foreign policy? So Lieutenant Colonel Vindman prepares his talking points, Trump ignores them, and all of a sudden, that's proof positive Trump is off on his own. So Vindman shows up, testifies, knows all out a joint, and every other person that testified was the same stuff. Trump wasn't listening to them, right? He was not listening to the interagency group. He was not following the advice of learned State Department and ambassadorial crew intellectuals. And for that, he had to go, but not one of them, when asked point-blank at name an impeachable offense. Most of them were not on the Trump phone call with the president of Zelensky, although Vindman was. And now we find out that Vindman's brother is involved, perhaps, in the leak of the Bolton manuscript. Breitbart says that a source close to the Trump administration told him, that Alexander Vindman's twin brother, Army Lieutenant Colonel Yevgeny Vindman, who is a senior ethics lawyer for the National Security Council, is the person in charge of reviewing all publications by current and former NSC officials. Breitbart says the same person told them Yevgeny Vindman could have seen Bolton's draft manuscript after it was submitted for pre-publication review at the end of December. Well, that means that Yevgeny Vindman could have been the person who leaked the supposed excerpts from Bolton's draft manuscript. Don't know, but if so, it would fit the pattern. The suspicion is that it was Alexander Vindman who told the whistleblower, Eric Charmella, about Trump's call with Zelensky. And the whistleblower, Eric Sharamella that's his name, by the way. And he looks like the pajama boy in the, Trump, uh, in the Obama health care ad, 2010. The whistleblower, pajama boy Eric Charmella, then leaked Vindman's allegations to the Washington Post. All because Vindman was mad, Trump didn't use his talking points in the call. And Vindman admitted this as though it was just simply outrageous. It was outrageous the president did not use the talking points. I think Trump probably didn't even know who Vindman is. Staff puke. Writing a bunch of talking points, typical bureaucratic, Here, put some talking points together based on the policy we've got there going here. Vinman, do it. Time for the call. Twenty-five people on the call. Trump gets a talking points. Not interested. Got something else he wants to say. Zelensky says it. All of a sudden, we've got an impeachment because Vinman tells the whistleblower, "My God, this is horrible. He ignored my talking point. This or whatever." Here is, uh, yeah, we got time. This this is Dave in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Glad you waited, sir. Great to have you. Hi. Hey,
2: thanks, Rush. Uh, you know, as frustrating as this impeachment is, it, it is frustrating. I'm looking at the other side. Trump's fundraising is through the roof. His support is being galvanized more and more every single day. This is blowing up. Let Sanders and Warren have to waste all our time instead of being out uh, giving the country away while they campaign. I think it's, as much as it's frustrating, I think it's it's not hurting him at all.
0: Well, uh this is true. You know I, it, it, when you say it's not hurting him. Yeah, in polling data it isn't, which is important in economic and job performance approval polls it's not it's uh it's not hurting him. Uh and it's clear that the Democrats are fully aware that the American people don't care. As I say, A perusal of all media before the Bolton leak in the New York Times yesterday would show media despondency. In fact, uh, Fox News has a poll, record economy ratings as voters credit Trump. Now, that is new. We've We've had great polling numbers on the economy for a while. Meaning, people are living it. Therefore, they are reporting great economic attitudes. Voters give the economy its best ratings in nearly 20 years in the latest Fox News poll. What's new about it is that they are crediting Trump for it. The impeachment trial begins. Trump's job approval is holding steady. Poll released yesterday, 55% give the economy positive ratings, excellent or good. It has been 19 years since this many people felt as positively about the economy. In addition, a new high of 20% say the economy is in excellent shape. That's up from 14 points since just last October. But again, here's the clincher, the bulk of voters credit Trump for the economy. When asked to say who or what they think is most responsible for it, without the aid of a list, it's not a multiple choice question that pollsters present. The top answer is Trump and Republicans, 42%. Next, and I'm not making this up. 42% say the reason the economy is gangbusters is Trump and the Republicans. Next is 9% Barack Obama and the Democrats. So 42% think Trump is the reason, 9% think Obama and the Democrats. Those are that that 40% number, the 40, uh, actually 42% number is what's new about this and it's just Further, a further blow to the Democrats who are using all of this to try to separate Trump's voters from Trump. I mean, that's really what this is about: is trying to bust up the Trump coalitions. So, our guy here on the phone is correct, but I'm not sure. The longer it goes, the better. It's 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 uh, six of one half dozen of the other, I guess. But I just I would like to see it end. I'd like the Democrats just to have this end on a slam dunk. But remember, there's going to be something else. There's ten months to go, and there's going to be a bunch of something else that they will launch after this particular phase. And let me remind you, my prediction last week. I got to go quickly here, but I think this all ends this week, and I think it ends this week because the Democrats in the Senate running for president have got to get out and campaign. For the Hawkeye Hawkeye, which are a week from today, maybe tomorrow, I'm not sure which, but it's next week, they're going to have one weekend left to campaign. Crazy Bernie Focahontas, who, by the way, got the Des Moines Register endorsement because she doesn't lie. I got to I, I got to characterize that week. Yeah, hang on. Let me turn around here. Grab the Okay, let me read something really quickly. Ken Starr can say... Ken Starr is uh, presenting the president's case right now, and I haven't seen anything that I've... He's just talking about the age of impeachment. He quoted a Peggy Noonan column. Said, oh, no! Of all the people to quote for being on nice us, Peggy Noonan? Ah... Anyway, if something earth-shattering happens, we will, of course, bring it to you. And it may have, and I just haven't seen it. Can't watch everything except these little three-minute uh, commercial breaks So we have. Back to the phones. This is Emily in Burlington, Kentucky. It's great to have you. Hi.
1: Good afternoon from the Bluegrass State. Yep.
0: Yeah. Hi.
1: Um, so I'm hearing you talk about how how good this is all working out for Trump, but I just don't see it. I certainly don't see it in the polls. We had the new Fox News poll that said 50% of Americans want him impeached. Um, everybody is so entrenched in their opinions. I just don't see it. I hope, I pray that you're right. But I'm the I, yes, he has approval ratings for economy and that kind of thing, but I don't see it reflected in the election polls. Uh,
0: well, let me ask you a question. Mm hmm. In, uh, on, on January 27th of 2016, can you tell me who was leading in any of the polls? <laughs> not Trump. It doesn't matter. And I'm not just, it, it really doesn't matter. We don't even have a nominee yet on the Democrat side. We don't even know which one of those schlubs is going to stand up to be whacked in a landslide defeat. We don't even know which one it's going to be yet. The polling data right now is not designed to reflect public opinion. It's designed to shape it. It's designed to actually do what it's done to you, make you worry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, I have never, I don't think that I have forecast Trump winning in a landslide. I may may have casually used the word a couple of times, but I've not officially predicted that. Mm -hmm. But. I saw the Fox poll. You're talking 50 percent, not just want impeachment, but want him removed from office. Right. Uh, There are so many variables with polling data today, like are they finding actual interested people? You know, it's 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 getting harder and harder to find qualified respondents uh, in polls. And you've got a bunch of Trump people scared to death to admit that they're for Trump. To anybody, I mean, look what happens. You wear a Trump "Make America Great Again" hat in the wrong place, and some Indians going to come along and start beating a war drum in your face. And the media is going to want you fired or thrown out of school. Other place, you might get beat up. Some right. guy, some guy, some guy got uh, got murdered the other day for being, a, or beat up real bad for being for Trump. I think it's a lot of therefore hidden, uh, unexpressed uh, support. For Trump, But don't... 50% number want Trump impeached and and convicted in a Fox poll. There's literally no evidence that those people exist. Where are those people storming the Senate? Where are the protests? Where are the people in the gallery watching this, demanding it, trying to affect the vote in the Senate? I wouldn't worry yet. When it's time to worry, I've always told you, I will tell you. Well, as it always does, folks, time is racing by here. We're already two hours in. If you listen to this program each and every day, you would understand how futile the Democrats' efforts here are. Keep your confidence up. Keep it up, folks, because there's no reason to change now. We have a quick question here for the official program observer. And a program of this stature requires an observer... Somebody to officially observe what happens here for the historical record. Would you agree with me that it would be very difficult to ever describe Ken Starr as being on fire? Yeah, I thought so. But he's getting—he's getting, <laughs> hes getting close. He's getting close for him to being on fire. He's just nuking this entire premise that the president can obstruct justice and be accused of impeachable offenses by defending the presidency constitutionally. And he talks about, when I was trying to put Bill Clinton behind bars for all the crap that he did, we'd go to court, every time we went to court on executive privilege, we won. We beat Clinton because he was suborning perjury, number of things. But at the end of the day, Henry Hyde, who was running the House managers for the House said that none of the president's actions regarding executive privilege would in any way be considered impeachable offenses during the Clinton trial. Well, that, that just destroys one entire article of impeachment that the Democrats have. But Trump has obstructed Congress by refusing to let Schiff and his smarmy little team of managers of seeing everything they want. Anyway, uh, he got pretty animated making this for him. Ken Star animated is somebody in bed talking, not sleeping. Uh, that's 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 how that best describe the degree here of. Anyway, folks, welcome back. It's great always to have you. 800-282-2882. I want to move on to Democrat presidential politics here. Just a couple of additional items. From the Washington Post, Trump soars to highest job approval rating of presidency despite impeachment trial. Trump's approval has been going up, not down during this trial. The Washington Post-ABC poll finds 44% of Americans approve of Trump's performance, 51% disapproved. Now, wait, I know you're going to say, but right there's still 51% disapprove. How can you say it's The trend, it's going up. And by the way, I'm just going to tell look, everybody selectively accepts or doesn't accept certain aspects of polling because everything's been corrupted now. There's not... I don't know, there's not very much in Washington that most average people believe is legit. That something other than common sense is behind the explanation of things that we can't otherwise explain. It's just, and it's it's deserved. Washington has been corrupted, I mean, it, it's, in any number of ways. How How do you have a president with... job approval among African-Americans and Hispanics. 92% approval among Republicans. And a number of other individual groups that have Trump's approval way, way higher than any Republican ever has. And his overall job performance remains below 50. I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. And I think there are a lot of factors. And I think one of the factors is that people just don't tell pollsters the truth. And I think it's demonstrable now that a number of pro Trump people will hide that. What's the term for them? Shy Trump, shy supporters, shy this. I'd not heard the term until last week, but whatever its actual term is, I, I think it's it has some validity. And then there's this Gallup. New Gallup survey. Forty one percent of Americans satisfied with the way things are going. This is different from the forty two percent who are crediting Trump for the economy. This is 41% of Americans satisfied with the way things are going. Now, you might think, well, Rush, 41%, that's no big... It's the highest it's been in 15 years, including during the presidency of the precious Barack Hussein Oh. 41% of Americans are satisfied with the way things are going in the U.S., a level not seen in 15 years. Gallup noted that the last time 40% or more of Americans were satisfied was in 2005. You know who was president in 2005? Quick, Rachel, who was president in 2005? George W. Bush is correct. You win nothing because everybody should know that. 2005. George W. Bush. Last time. 40 percent of Americans were satisfied uh also I have I have people out there who really like uh Scott Adams the noted is his is his cartoon Dilbert yeah, okay I got a lot of people who read Scott Adams's tweets and they send them to me so what does that tell me it tells me a lot of people are following Scott Adams and it means a lot of people are following Scott Adams because they like what Scott Adams says. And so since a lot of people are sending me Scott Adams tweets, here's one that a whole bunch of people sent me. Scott Adams weighing in on Bolton. Now, I, look, it's true. Adams has a unique take on a lot of things. He does have, a like me, you know, It's it's, it's, uh, it's rare to find somebody who has as unique a take on events as I do. Let I me mean, admit it, folks, you come here because this is not the conventional wisdom show. You're going to hear takes, opinions, forecasts, predictions, assumptions, analysis, unlike you get anywhere else. That's why you're here. And that's why people like Scott Adams. Here's his take on this whole Bolton leak. Bolton's book manuscript clears Trump of all impeachment allegations By demonstrating the president believed Ukraine interfered in U.S. elections. Given that belief, right or wrong, pressuring Zelensky was completely within the job description of the presidency. Hashtag game over. So to further analyze this, Mr. Adams believes, again, the, the, the Bolton leak, the New York Times, remember... They haven't seen it. This is classic. It's it's like every other leak that has occurred in the Trump presidency. The leak on the whistleblower, the New York Times Maggie Haberman admitting, we haven't seen it. We have a source who's seen it. And the source is telling us what the manuscript in Bolton's book says. This way, if it isn't true, the Times has enough. Well, we we didn't see it. Our source burned us, and they won't even say we're sorry. But anyway, the source is saying that Trump or the Bolton says that Trump told him he wanted to withhold aid, but he didn't. I, I, look. I keep recycling things here. In this case, it's important. Bolton is not saying Trump withheld the aid because he can't. The aid was not withheld. So Scott Adams's point is this. Bolton's manuscript actually clears Trump of all these impeachment allegations by demonstrating the president believed Ukraine interfered in U.S. elections. Now, the Democrats are out there. Trump is making it up if Russia, Russia in, 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 in meddled in our elections and this this myth that Ukraine did it is Russian propaganda that Trump is, is spreading and so forth. But Scott Adams' point is if Trump believed it. And by the way, Ukraine did meddle in our 2016 election. Ukraine courts have convicted Ukraine citizens for doing so. You might have heard the House manager's case where they tried to nuke the fact that Ukraine meddled in the 2016. Ukraine did. Ukraine courts have confirmed it and admitted it and convicted people for doing it. Trump has always been trying to get to the bottom of who it was that tampered in the 2016 election to try to help Hillary and hurt him. And that's exactly what happened. It was Hillary colluded with the Russians. We all know this now. Steele dossier and all of that. And now it's the Democrats who are colluding and tampering with the 2020 election. The Democrats are attempting to affect the outcome of the 2020 election, and they're admitting it. I got a soundbite coming up from Zoe Lofgren, one of the House managers, admitting that that's what this is all about. So Scott Adams' point is... If the president believed Ukraine interfered, pressuring Zelensky was completely within the job description of the presidency. It doesn't matter whether Trump was right or wrong about it. If he believed that Ukraine actually meddled in the 2016 election, was trying to harm his chances... Then, as president, he is required to find out if that happened, and every can't be impeachable. So that's what Adams's point is. That many people sent me now to the the Democrat uh, side of things and their and their campaign. The Des Moines Register, for some reason is in the Hawkeye Cawkeye, the most prized newspaper endorsement. The Democrats seek it. They do everything they can to get it. I have yet to be convinced that newspaper endorsements in any way matter. I don't know how you would even try to qualify it. But it's a tradition, and it's a journalism tradition, it's American presidential election tradition, and so people think, ooh, Focahontas, Elizabeth Warren, has gotten the official Des Moines Register endorsement. They claim that she would, quote, treat truth as something that matters, unquote. Now, You're laughing. I understand that. This is the woman who lied about being an Indian. This is a woman who has lied about she got her job teaching at Harvard. She has lied about the sources of her wealth. She has made up fantastic stories about uh, her kids and so forth. And yet the Des Moines Register doesn't know it. They can't know it if they literally are going to endorse her because she treats truth as something that matters. Look, if the Des Moines Register, I know a lot of you are going to disagree with me on this because you think the Democrats are so partisan and so corrupt that this is what they do. And you're right, but I also maintain to you that liberals live in a very walled off, cocooned set of circumstances and anything that is outside their worldview doesn't get in it's not that they know everything and then choose to believe they literally reject anything and everything that isn't sourced from somebody on their side or in their movement and you can see evidence of this if you, like I, I, Catherine and I watched this movie Bombshell. There have been three movies about Roger Ailes and Fox News. The first two were abject total bombs and disaster. But this one, Bombshell, this was supposed to be the defining, but this was it. This was going to be the one that had everybody informed us to the truth of what happened. Because it had major stars. It has Charlie Theoron, It has Nicole Kidman. It has uh, Margot Robbie. It has a whole bunch of big names in there. Folks, it is embarrassing. This movie, I'm watching it and I'm looking at Catherine. How in the world did these actors agree to utter these lines? She said, they must believe it. I said, eh, Maybe. But I think it, it, it was embarrassing to watch it, folks. It, it doesn't even rise to the level of making you mad. It's so pathetic. But what it does is inform you as clearly as possible what they really think of us, of conservatives or anybody, not them, of Fox News, And it is so sophomoric and infantile, it's childish. It is literally embarrassing to watch this. And there was something else recently that I saw that that accomplished the same thing. Some media presentation or something, I wish I could remember what it was, where we got an unfiltered view of what liberals think of conservatives, and this is just so bad. No, I didn't go watch it at the theater. I am a powerful... You crazy? Watch it at a theater? No way. I am a powerful, influential member of the media. I had a screener that was was closed. There was... (laughs) This is so bad, I mean, the portrayal of Ailes by John L- John Lithgow, you've got to know better than the words they put in your mouth. And all of these actresses, like t- everybody that works at Fox News in this movie hates it, except for one bimbo, blonde-headed journalist who can't wait to get a job there and will do anything, anything, to get the job. They hate it. The Fox News room is populated with numerous lesbians who have to hide the fact because if it's discovered they'll be called out publicly and sent to retraining camps. Everybody works there hates it. And the stars are if 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 I were portrayed in this movie, like Megan Kelly And Gretchen Carr, I I would be embarrassed that anybody saw this and might fall for it. Well, this takes the Des Moines Register literally has no idea. They can't have any idea what an abject liar Elizabeth Warren is if they're going to endorse her as somebody who would treat the truth as something that matters. The woman lied and made up the fact that she is one twenty-four thousandth or whatever was Indian to get a gig at Harvard. How do you not know that? And if you do know that, how can you just casually overlook it? Do you assume your readers don't know it? I'm telling you that, strange as it may seem, I think liberals in journalism, I'm certain, there aren't any others, Liberals and journalism, I, 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 I think you'd be stunned at how unworldly and how literally little they actually know about daily life in this country. Okay, back to the phones. This is Anna, Grand Junction, Colorado. Great to have you with us today. Anna, how are you?
3: I'm fine. Thank you, Rush. I wanted to get back to the March for Life. When you pointed out the history of not one president in the past, ever coming in person to support that March for Life until President Trump. And I am delighted to know that he has done this. Out of his many firsts, this is the most important first of his accomplishments that he's done in office so far. Um, he He says what he means, and he means what he says. He doesn't give us lip service like you're hearing from these candidates that are running for the Democrats. They're going to lip service you and say what they want you to hear until it no longer serves them. But not President Trump. He means what he says, and he's got no aspirations to make make any lies or untruths to us. He's telling us the truth, and each of these things that goes on in his past um, accomplishments in office have demonstrated that.
0: Um, Well, let's contrast this, Anna, because this is a good point. Let's contrast this with Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete Buttigieg, who likes being photographed kissing his husband. Mayor Pete was approached by a woman on Sunday. The Fox News Town Hall for Mayor Pete Buttigieg. And a woman, a Democrat woman, Democrat voter, asked Mayor Pete if there was room for her. As a pro-lifer in the Democrat Party, she's a pro-life Democrat, proud pro-life Democrat, Kristen Day. Remember the audience. Mayor Pete said, essentially, no. The Democrat Party is pro-choice and we're not going to change. And you essentially have no role in our party if you're pro-life. Welcome back. Rush Limbaugh. Talent on loan from God. Okay, Bill in New Orleans. Welcome, sir. Great to have you with us. You're next. Oh my
2: God, Rush. This is the top three bucket list item I can now check off.
0: Wow. Appreciate that, sir. Thank you.
2: Rush, why can't Republicans get younger, more conservative people to run against these Rhinos, so I don't have to hear this tired tripe from Romney and Murkowski and Collins and Gardner. Don't we have returning veterans that are coming back that would capture the interest of us conservatives? I'm so tired of hearing all of these
0: establishment rhinos. Why can't we get someone else? This is an actual interesting question. Have you taken a look at the average age of the Democrat frontrunners? No, no, there and there I'm serious be about this. Don't. I'm not being flippant here. This says something. Uh, Bernie Sanders looks like he's 95. <laughs> Joe Biden looks like he's going on 85. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is not. A spring chicken. If you look at the Democrat... Now, the Democrat Party is thought to be what, Bill? Young and hip and progressive. The Democrat Party is thought to be Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And yet, look at who their frontrunners are. They are literally out of Jurassic Park. And guess who Bernie's number one support group is? It's young people. Now... I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but now that I've brought it to your attention, do you have a reaction? What, what? Why do you think this is? Why are these old fossils who look like old fossils, why are they not automatically rejected by the youthful, young, vibrant, hip progressives of the Democrat Party?
2: Because they're being taught and they're being indoctrinated into in, from our universities, now even middle school, high school, that this, that the Democrats are the way to go if you're young. And because they think like you do, and you should be thinking this way. I guess on my side, on Republican side, it's more about, can't we find people that Believe in conservatism like we do, regardless of age. I'm just tired of hearing about Romney and Collins and and how they're
0: not really Republicans. Well, why do you... you, you, The reason you hear about them is because the media focuses on them precisely because they undercut the Republican Party. That's why you hear about them because the media wants them to be traitors. The media wants them to go against their own party, so they make them out to be... Super stature, uh, very learned and so forth. They're being manipulated to go against their own party. And if it weren't those four, they would find some others. Uh, But look, uh, now you're into questions of incumbency and how hard you say, why can't some returning veterans run against these guys? It's one of the most difficult things to overcome in politics, is incumbency. Do you know what the incumbency return rate in the House of Representatives is? I'll bet a lot of you don't. It's 95%. 95% of incumbents win. Now, in 2018, something like 55 Republicans retired. So that meant 55 seats that were automatic pretty much automatic Republicans were automatically lost because the incumbency factor was lost. And then now you're, you're up for grabs. you got to actually campaign voters look at two people. They don't know the Democrat and the Republican. And it, it was a big deal. And there's some Republicans retiring before the next election in 2020 in the house. But I look, that, that's one reason why. And it's the same thing in the Senate. It's not quite the same return uh, election rate in the Senate, but it's high. Incumbency because of fundraising. It's just easier to give gobs and gobs and gobs of money to people already there who have a track record of paying off on the donations and contributions that they get. You talk about Collins and Murkowski; they're actually young compared to. Look at the Democrats. Look at the. Look, you got Pat Leahy. The Democrat senators are as archaic as their presidential candidates. Now, where I was going with this, and I understand your frustration, but if it weren't Collins and Murkowski and Romney, it would be whatever other Republicans are showing an interest in hating Trump, the media would focus on them and build them up and attempt to manipulate them into voting against Trump on legislation or witnesses, in this case, for the impeachment trial. But why is it that in politics – like you – obviously, politics showbiz for the ugly. You're not going to have somebody – where is the equivalent of Bernie Sanders in Hollywood, for example – where is the Jurassic Park leading man in Hollywood? There isn't one. Hillary Clinton, Elizabeth Warren. Come on, folks, let's be real. We're talking about ancient people here and they are the front runners and they are cons- and and they are considered to be the ones with the greatest chance of winning. Obama was a rarity, came along young, but that was the race factor almost exclusively there in determining why he was selected in the primaries and why he won the presidency. When it, when it comes to politics, there's something about age that I guess to people equals experience. But whereas almost everywhere else in American life and American society, the elderly are cast aside, They're thrown away. They're put in the home or they are put in a room in the basement of the attic. And I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm trying to be descriptive. I've always maintained that the elderly are one of the greatest sources of wisdom young people have simply by virtue of the fact that they've lived longer than the young people that they're talking to and can impart all kinds of wisdom and knowledge if they still have their wits about them and so forth. But outside of politics... This is a culture and a country that's for youth. It is all about the young. It's always been. It's nothing new here, and it's that you you could say that that is an apt description for life in general. Certainly in athletics. I mean, once you hit thirty in professional athletics, you're on the downside. There are exceptions, but once you hit thirty, you're done for. Your peak. Your best days are usually behind you, it's just the way it is. You have more energy, you have more resiliency, you have uh, a lot more of, of what it takes for strength and endurance when you're young than when you are an uh, elderly, seasoned citizen. Now, Americans are living longer, and they're living healthier longer, but our culture still discards the elderly. And I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to sound critical of it. I'm not trying to be insensitive to it. It's what it is. And yet in politics, the old white-haired guy is considered to be filled with experience and wisdom. I mean, it doesn't even cross anybody's mind that crazy Bernie is crazy and old you don't find Bernie Sanders supporters running around wishing he were 35 or looking for the 35 or 40-year-old version of him. Why is that, do you think? And you find the Republican Party actually in terms of its, that Trump is 73 going on 50, if you ask me. Trump's in a league of his own. Energy, resilience, strength. There isn't anybody in Democrats side could keep up with him even if they're younger than he is. But when you start talking about age and elected officials, the Republican Party is actually younger than the Democrats. And yet young people glob on to these dinosaurs and think Republicans are a bunch of stodgy, button-down old fools. Well, crazy Bernie's out there saying, I don't know how much my health care plan's going to cost. I don't know... Crazy Bernie's got the Democrat establishment so scared. They are scared to death he's going to get nomination, and they are scared to death he's going to lose in a landslide. They are scared to death he's George McGovern Jr. They are scared that they're going to do everything they can to sabotage this guy. In favor of who? Biden? I got a... I got to go. I just saw the clock. I'm a little over the length of the programming segment. The next one's going to be shorter than it should be, but you won't notice. The uh, Trump defense team just took a break. Mr. Shapura did a great job of nuking one of the claims the Democrats have made by pointing out video sound bites of all these ambassadors claiming, yeah, the uh, Ukraine's got all the aid they needed from President Trump, much more than they ever got from Obama. It was good, and we'll be back here tomorrow, folks. Have a great rest of the day and evening, and see you soon.